welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. I'm your host, Anna Olsisi, serial entrepreneur, passionate marketer, and owner at Segway Group. On the podcast, you will find valuable information about all things real estate, plus some fun stories told by a variety of guests. So if you like what you hear, then subscribe and invite any friends who you think may get some value from listening. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are heading to Boston to speak with Jackie O. And that is a very clever name because it's obviously not the real Jackie O, but it is today's real Jackie O, and that's Jackie O'Connor. She is an agent over at Keller Williams in Boston, and uh, she's been in the business for a very long time and seen lots of ups and downs and has been gracious enough to take time from her super busy schedule to talk to us today about uh, what it's like to be an agent in Boston and what the market's doing these days and maybe a few uh, predictions as to what it's going to be doing in the near future. So Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So Jackie, um, I did a very brief introduction. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Thanks. Okay. So where to start? I was a flight attendant for Delta Airlines and I was there straight out of college and bought a condo in 2004 and had a horrible experience with my real estate agent. And I had always wanted to be a real estate agent, but I was not, I think, at 22 and fresh out of school prepared for all the, you know, um, I would say self-management that one must do to be an independent contractor Mm -hmm. and, you know, without someone telling you where to be and at what time and, you know, you don't have an official you know, job, I'm using those in air quotes, Um, you know, and so I just felt like this maybe was not the right time for me. But um, after my experience and Delta went into bankruptcy, I made the jump into real estate um, and haven't looked back. So um, my 16th year now, and it's been fun and exciting and challenging and emotionally trying 16 years. That's any year in real estate. <laughs> it's right. all of those things. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, okay, so I lived in Atlanta as well. Oh, terrific. Yes, yes. Back in the mid mid to late 90s. I don't know if we were there at the same time or not. Or We you... were. Yeah, okay. All right. Very cool. So it was an exciting time. It was right after the Olymp- or during and after the Olympics when I was there. So I know Atlanta was really booming back then. And I'm sure you were very busy um, as a flight attendant on Delta. How did you get to Boston? Uh, so at the time, I was working for Delta, and I wanted to be based in a, in a base that would be a little bit more young flight attendant friendly it's all mm-hmm. seniority driven business and yes. um and so it was a generally a younger base where you know i could have some level of seniority and hold what they call better days off and things like that and so i voluntarily moved to boston and i had always wanted to live in new england hmm. and so i just moved here and i didn't know anyone i had never even been here before oh wow and so i moved to boston and um I left briefly. I moved to Michigan in 2006 
and started with a firm there as an independent agent and realized what I didn't know was that how hard the job was to make any money or have any sense of personal time or a life. And so I joined the team um, there and I worked for the top team in the Midwest at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was there for three years, but realized that my heart was back in Boston and I owned a condo here that I rented while I was away Mm -hmm. and wanted to move back. So I did in 2009 um, and I moved back to Boston and haven't looked back. Excellent. Well, I think I think what I've taken away from this is that you love the cold. <laughs> you just love the cold weather. Because <laughs> you left Atlanta and just went colder and colder. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, you know, that that's really admirable. Most people do the opposite. So, you know, I think that that's cool. I think that's a testament to your being okay with adversity and getting through things and dealing with challenging weather conditions and whatnot. But, you know, joking aside, I think your being in the very demanding uh, world of, of a, being a flight attendant, uh, which I know is a really like kind of like a thankless job, but um, customer service is everything when it comes to that. And, um, and so did that prepare you for your real estate career to a certain extent? Definitely, definitely the customer service aspect is really important, I think. And that's what I really felt was missing when I bought my condo with my agent, that that customer service was missing and um, that I could do better. I could do better. That's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's great. And I'm sure that that's what's led to your success. Uh, Right now you have a group. Tell me a little bit about your group over at, um, at Keller Williams. In Boston. I'm at Keller Williams Mm -hmm. in the Boston Metro um, office, and I have a team. I have a director of operations, uh, Kyoko Yamamoto. She was a past client and raised her hand and said that she was interested in in learning more about real estate and and working in operations. And so she's been with me for about a year and a half now. Um, So not very long into COVID did she join me. So it's Mm -hmm. it's been an interesting year for her to learn, that's for sure. Um, cause you know, everything's an exception now <laughs> compared to how it used to be. But that's just the norm for her now. See, so that's right. she's not, she doesn't have the bias of someone. No, she yeah. doesn't. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and then I have an intern who is a past client's, um, sister and she's in college. She's 20 uh, or just turned 21. And so she's been working with us since the fall and she's working on getting her real estate license and she does like administrative type activities, but I think eventually we'll be an agent. We'll be grooming her in that direction. And then I have a full-time showing assistant who's been with me since the beginning of the year, um, Sydney, and she's terrific and and young and fresh out of school and tons of energy, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I've just recently added Kim to our team and she's more established and has had her license for quite some time but wasn't utilizing it. Um, she's doing uh, development and flips oh. and really wanted to get into the transaction part of the business. Um, and so she's in training as we speak. Wow. Yes. So that is the team currently. And we are in talks with one other agent whose name is also Jackie <sighs> um, <laughs> uh, to come o- on over and um, join us as well. 
so we're pretty excited. We're a growing uh, team. And then we have our uh, director of um, marketing, John Ruggieri, who's been with us for five years. Wow. Wow. So you, you do. You have a lot of people uh, assisting you, which, I mean, that's how you become successful is just by having a great team all around you. And so clearly that's part of, I mean, aside from your personal experience and talent and, you know, and knowledge, uh, you, you do have all these other people who are right along with you, helping you. And I love that you've you've tapped into your network of past clients to get them to help you. I think that's super cool. Uh, sometimes those are the best ones because they know how you work and uh, they like how you work. So, you know, has, has that been part of it? You know, they just have been reaching out to you um, because of that? Yes, that's, that's a big part of it. And my old assistant was a past client too. <laughs> Um, so yeah, <laughs> it seems to be that's how it works. So, um, I take that as a compliment. Oh yeah, for sure. That's definitely a compliment. It means they want to be part of, of something that they found to be great. And, uh, so yeah, that speaks volumes about you. You know, now that you're telling me, you know, you're bringing in all these people you've recently brought on quite a few and you're bringing on one more that obviously says to me that you're growing in terms of just Boston, maybe is the Boston area growing a lot. I know that there's tech there. When I've visited Boston, I've seen just like hundreds of buildings going up. It's, it's insane. And so what, what is it like, especially now during COVID or like th during the past year, what's it been like? Yeah, so they were calling us Crane City because we had more cranes than anywhere yeah. else in the country. Um, so you're exactly right about the cranes and all the building. And a lot of it has been luxury uh, apartment rentals. Yeah, it was difficult to get financing here for quite some time. Um, you know, after the 2008, you know, economic financial crisis, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, the, the big financiers were really only doing apartment rentals. Mm. Um, they weren't doing condominium building financing that was advantageous to the developers. And so they weren't, they weren't utilizing that. Mm. Um, and so they were just building apartments left and right and, and have been for quite some time because we really didn't have an administration, uh, prior to our, uh, current mayor who is, I guess now being tapped to, uh, go, uh, work with, uh, Biden, our mm -hmm. president. But prior to that, we had Mayor Menino, and he was very much keep Boston the same. He really stifled growth and new developments. And so mm -hmm. when Mayor Walsh came in, he basically said yes to everything and rubber stamped it. Whether that was good or bad, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And so we have a real mix of commercial space. They've developed two new neighborhoods that were non-existent um, prior to, you know, 2012. So the last decade, we've seen really significant growth in the amount of available properties that we had for sale, mm -hmm. um, which was much needed because there's very little affordable housing here. And then on top of that, there's just very little new housing stock. Yeah. You know, everything is 150 years old. So, um, so they had to go up in order to create uh, additional homes. And it was a real challenge uh, over the height requirements and just Bostonians being kind of stuck in their ways. How we've always done it is is working fine. Right. Which was not the reality. So um, it took a fresh change of leadership, which really kind of brought us into the, I would say, 21st century as far as opportunity and 
new construction. Um, we just didn't have that. That's great. So, so with this change of administration, that is obviously fueling, you know, new, new development, and everything like you're just saying, has COVID not affected then in a negative way? the number of people who are either staying or moving to the area? Because I know it's affected like a little bit, New York. And yeah, other places so like that. I would say we didn't have as many people moving to Boston this year. I also have a rental department mm-hmm. on my team, you know, and we service rentals pretty significantly because we sell a lot to investors. I would say that the new the volume of people moving was less to Boston. We didn't have the students coming mm-hmm. in that oftentimes are, you know, from very wealthy backgrounds and will rent yeah. $10,000 a month apartments. Um, and um, they wow. didn't come or they stayed in their apartment or they stayed wherever their home is and, you know, are doing virtual school or doing school from, you know, a warmer location, you know. So sure. um, those people didn't come. We saw a lot of the you know, dual income, one kid with a baby on the way that would typically do an interim move in the city, they left, they went to the suburbs, they were going there anyway. And they just Mm -hmm. went about three years earlier than planned. And so they left, but we already had no demand, we had no um, really high demand and no inventory. We Mm -hmm. had like five days worth of inventory at any one given time. Whoa. Um, yeah, over the last seven years. So, yeah, it was really incredible what we had to do and how quickly you have to move in order to get a property secured. So now we have, you know, 30 yeah. properties on the market. So we have, you know, 12 days worth of inventory. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very different market. So unlike in other locations like San Francisco and New York where you hear, like, it's a ghost town, Seattle, like, there's no one there. That was true in April and May, but basically since July, everyone is back full force. There's nowhere to park. You used to get parking, you know, directly. I live in the city, so I'd get parking. I don't have a parking spot, so I park on the street. And um, the height of COVID, I could park directly in front of my house every day of the week. Uh, Even at midnight, if I came home at midnight, I could park in front of my house. Wow. And that since August has, has dissipated, I have to circle sometimes looking for parking. And so that to me says that the neighborhood is back. Everyone's here. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's yeah. a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, no. You know, that's what I was wondering is, you know, what, what has been transpiring in the past year? And I will say as a testament to New York City, right. it's not a ghost town. It is not at all. <laughs> that right. is false so it is just fine and uh and i bet you know i actually i actually have heard not the same about san francisco so maybe and maybe someone from san francisco wants to be on the show and tell me otherwise um but that is what i i have been hearing but it's good to know that boston is doing well and and actually and i had heard that from people because i know people who live there and so they they were saying you know it's, it's it's fine and thriving and everything. You know, you mentioned some, you know, some of the younger people who are now moving or have moved to the suburbs and maybe last year was a little bit affected by the fact that the students didn't come. How about the tech sector? Because I know it's giant there. Uh, So are you seeing an influx of like, um, I don't want to say millennials, but yeah, like millennials. (laughs) Are they They were already here for school and they just didn't leave. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. They were already here. They came for, you know, we have 140 universities within a five mile radius of the city right. of Boston. 
So they were already here. And they just, they either stick around or, you know, they go back to where they're from. But they usually stick around because their network is here. Um, and this is where the jobs are right. and the exciting, you know, opportunities and robotics and medical, you know, as far as all the development, the, all the pharmaceutical and biochemistry companies. We also have Fidelity. We have huge, huge financial services. We have all the hospitals. So we have all the residents that move here and they, you know, they come for five and eight year programs. They tend to buy condominiums. They're going to be here for mm -hmm. so long because the rent is outrageous here for what you get. And yeah. um, we've seen a, a lot of people, you know, they had to stay. They're, they're here for their job. And even though their job is remote, mm -hmm. they like living here. They like the restaurants. They like the public transportation. And, and while COVID definitely put a, a halt on all of those things, um, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. I think they seem to be very happy. Like the millennial buyers that I talk to. They're not mm -hmm. interested in moving. They don't want to live in the suburbs right now. They're just trying to get their career off the ground. They don't want to be commuting too far when they do have to go back to the office. And they know that's coming. Of course. Uh, one, because they choose it or two, they, you know, or it's mandatory based, you know, on their company. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned rent being outrageous. So they're buying, some of them buy condos. Uh, what what are the average prices? I mean, what are we looking at in terms of what a condo would be? There um, in the so city? it depends on the neighborhood. But if you were to choose kind of the most upscale neighborhood in Boston, you're looking at about $1,400 a foot. Okay. Um, so you know, a thousand square foot, you know, two bedroom, one and a half bath with no parking and maybe a small deck is a million four to a million five. If you are willing to live 45 minutes away in a far-flung suburb, then you may be able to get a, you know, one-bedroom, one-bath condo for, you know, 220 Oh, well, I mean, I guess it's not that bad. It's interesting because it is kind of the opposite <laughs> here, where, it, yeah, you know, like the more expensive ones are further away from the university and from the heart of what we'll call the city. And then as you get closer, you get some stuff that's um, – a little bit more affordable until you get like right next to it. But uh, it's just funny how different cities you know, have different, um, I don't know, different development and price points depending on location. And it's not always driven by, by really being like in the middle no, of everything. Right. So yeah, I guess Florida is really big on new construction. That's part of it too. Like if people want something brand spanking new, whereas in Boston, I think people are, like you said, <laughs> are willing to get the 150 uh, year old place uh, or, you know, or something that's a little bit more established, um, but convenient uh, to where they need to be. So, um, mm -hmm. or they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that, okay. So that's really interesting. And then, so then let's say the equivalent rent of something that size, what would that be? So the rent for the condo that I was thinking of, the, this is probably one five is probably 5,800 to 6,000. Okay. And that's for two bed, one bath? One and a half bath. One and a half bath. I'm being generous. Wow. It might only have one, but. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. That's more than, like, that's more than New York. Uh, and In many ways it is. And the people who move here from New York City are flabbergasted yeah. by how little you get for the money. Mm -hmm. But what they don't recognize is that they're trying to trade up neighborhoods when they move here. 
Hmm. So, oh, well, I live in, you know, the Upper West Side and I'm at 97th mm-hmm. and, you know, Central Park West. Right. I'll use that as an example. My sister um, who moved to, to Boston last summer and they were like, oh, we should look to live in your neighborhood, Jack. You know, I live in the south end of Boston. And what they were paying in rent, they would have to go to 5000 a month and they were paying thirty nine. Wow. Because they were getting a better, you know, if they had gone 20 blocks south and they were really in the heart of the Upper West Side, not on the outskirts of the Upper West Side, Mm -hmm. then, you know, they would have been paying more than $5,000 a month in rent in New York. But the reality is they thought, well, it's Boston. It should be cheaper. I can get the best neighborhood for less than I was paying. And that's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I get that because we sometimes get that here when people are coming here and they're like, well, you know, I'm going to get a mansion for $500,000. I'm like, eh, you're probably not. <laughs> you're probably not going to do that. <laughs> so, you know, it just depends where, I guess, but uh, and what you're going to do to it. But uh, I think, yes, that's always a misconception when you move from these uh, supposedly super expensive cities to other cities that people don't think are going to be as expensive, but you don't think about the trade-off of what you're going to get is something really nice for the same price or for a little bit more, but it's going to be extra super nice and a better location is my assumption too, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. 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 So very cool. You touched on investors. Uh, So with the market being the way it is, are there a lot of investment opportunities now? Um, There are, you know, I, I actually had a closing today that was an investor. I had the listing and we had a tenant in there for almost two years under a lease who's very happy. And we just decided to put it on the market to see if we would grab anyone. And we did. Um, And we sold for less than 1% off of asking, which I consider in, you know, COVID times a pretty good. Mm -hmm. And we were fairly priced, which, you know, was why we didn't give much more. And uh, they closed today. So there is demand for, uh, investment properties, quality investment properties. Mm-hmm. We, we are seeing that because rents will come back and people will come back. They, the rents are depressed here compared mm-hmm. to what they used to be. Mm-hmm. This last year, we're down about anywhere from 10 to 20% on the rent roll. Wow. But it's temporary. Yeah. It's temporary. It We've had 100% occupancy for the last 20 years. Literally, people move out on the beginning of the you know first day of the month and by 3 p.m., new people are moving in. Wow. <laughs> There's no time to fix or paint or do any of those things usually. So we've been, we helped our investors during COVID. Okay, you know what? Yes, you were getting great rent. And yes, that was a wonderful ride. And now you're going to need to stay on the floors and you're going to need to paint and you're going to need to change that microwave with the broken handle that's taped with duct tape and like you know you're gonna have to make those changes and you know they were some of them were slower than others to respond but they got the picture when they were sitting vacant for four months okay she's she's serious when she tells me i need to do these things i'll do them right well it's a perfect time to do them considering you're gonna get an influx of people probably come august right exactly exactly so yeah so it was the timing but literally i i have never had one day of vacancy in my own personal rentals in over 16 years wow okay okay and so that's impressive really because that means that it was even during financially turbulent times Um, yes yes yeah we're very resilient market here and very stable. Excellent. 
So, okay. So obviously the last year has been weird for everybody. It's just, you know, how it is everywhere. What are your feelings for the coming year? I mean, interest rates are going to hover still pretty low with the change in administration in Boston, change in, of administration in, in our country, um, and then the inventory, which obviously is very low. Can you share some predictions for, you know, for the rest of this year, maybe into next? Yes. So in my crystal ball, it tells <laughs> that the market will be flat this year in the city. Mm -hmm. We are up anywhere in the suburban counties. And that's literally out right outside of Boston within, you know, five miles driving distance mm -hmm. are up 15 and 20% from 2019. Wow. Yeah, within a year. So they're seeing significant, significant flocking to the suburbs. But where these people are coming from, I'm not sure because there's still no parking in our neighborhood. So <laughs> I don't know where they're coming from, whether they've decided to move from another location, right? More expensive mm -hmm. location, like maybe San Francisco, and they're moving to be closer to family or, you know, that kind of thing. We're just not totally sure where everyone was coming, but the reality is they're here. Mm -hmm. We anticipate the suburban market to be extremely challenging, which is about 40% of our clients are going to the suburbs. Wow. And then the other 60 is like core city within three miles driving distance of our office. And those people are getting a slight buy, one or, one or 2% mm -hmm. off the asking. Nothing crazy, generally speaking. I did just put on a listing. I got over asking by 55000 Wow, okay. And I put it on the on market through our private quiet network and got two offers and and that's in the city. So... I'm feeling bullish, but I'm trying to not go hog wild with it sure. because it's too early in our season. Our season starts like now. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to know. We need more data to see what's going to happen. You know, whether we're going to have a lot of inventory because people waited to sell and they didn't need to sell to buy, or if we're going to have a more challenging time with finding inventory. We just don't know yet, but it feels about the same as it has in, in the past years. Okay. It feels the same to me. That's great that it does kind of feel the same. You, your season, you said your season basically starts now and probably goes through what to, through the end, through like July or something like that. Is it, is it driven by a, a lot of the, um, the universities since you have so many of them? It is driven by universities and it's also driven by our weather patterns. Our unofficial season is usually late February, and it goes through the middle of June. Okay. This is for sale, the sales cycle. And mm -hmm. then people check out here July and August. They go to the beach. They're not here. They're not selling their home. They're at their second home, um, but they're not local. Oh, okay. That's very European. Yes. <laughs> but, yep, yeah, very European. They are gone. Yeah. Well, I guess that's when the weather is just so pleasant. Why would you want to be in the city, really? Exactly. So they're not here. And so it's not saying we don't do any transactions. This year, we did all we did 50% of our business in the month of July. But that's not normal. Normally, I would sell one or two in July and 50% right. of our business in April and May for the year. So we're thinking that's going to be normal for this year. But you know, time will tell. Yes, that is true. Time will tell. I think, um, I mean, based on what we're seeing, it seems like it's becoming pretty normal again. Like it's, you know, last year was historically, you know, obviously different, but this year 
recruitment has started again now in February. And, and that's why I asked about the university because that's how it's driven here. It's mm-hmm. all, um, well, not all, but it's significantly university and medical center driven. So like recruitment starts now in mid-February. The selling season, I guess is what we're gonna call it, ends typically in July because people wanna be situated by the time school starts in August. And um, and school's definitely gonna start here in August. It's been, it, it's going now. So I would assume, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, barring something crazy, which we're, we're just never, I, I should never even say that anymore because you never know when the next crazy thing's gonna happen lately. But assuming everything goes as planned, everything will be as it was in years past. So, uh, so everybody settled in in August. So here, People are here in August, but that's just because school starts so early here. It's like mid-August, which is nuts, but uh, which I know it's different. You guys are after Labor Day, right? Yes. Yep. After after Labor Day for all things. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, and, that, and that's great. It actually makes so much more sense in my very humble opinion because that's when, you know, everybody should be back from vacation by then and mid-August is kind of early, but whatever. Uh, so tell me, is there anything that I haven't touched? Oh, I want to, never mind. There's something I haven't touched on that I'm going to touch on. Uh, so let's say somebody, because we do get a lot of people from here. Gainesville is a really, it's a tech kind of community. And a lot of the companies that are incubated here uh, sometimes grow up and I know of a few that have gone to Boston. Some have come back. But if somebody from here were to relocate, or if somebody from anywhere really were to relocate to Boston or consider it, what would you tell them? Because I know you did it. So what would you tell them? That's a great question. I think unless you had a lot of familiarity with the the city and the towns, I would rent first. I probably wouldn't just buy a condo or buy a house unless you really, really knew a lot of people in one particular area or had spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I've lived in seven different neighborhoods wow. over about 20 years here. So I highly encourage people to rent first to see you know, what it is that you're looking for out of your neighborhood because they're all different what's important to you culturally, restaurants, gyms, are you price sensitive? Are you looking for a kind of longer distance to the train? Do you want to be walking? Is the commuter rail okay versus, you know, the actual T or transit system versus having to take a more regional train and then switching? So there's a lot of factors to consider. And then, you know, when traffic is in play, which it was in the summer, mm-hmm. late summer, what does that look like for you as far as getting from your job or your errands to, to home? Um, and how does that affect your life? And where might your vacation home be if you choose to have one? You know, will you be driving? Will you be flying? Is, you know, being close to an airport important? So all of those things, you just don't know until you arrive here. Yeah. As someone who grew up in Atlanta, I was used to living, you know, an hour away from the airport, Mm -hmm. you know, with moderate to light traffic or two hours in, you know, full traffic. Right. And now I live 15 minutes for the airport and I leave 45 minutes before my flight departs. Oh, wow. Through security and on the plane within 45 minutes. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. For me, that's great because I love to travel and former flight attendant here. So I love that fact. And I the freedom that that allows me for, you know, to to take early flights or get home late or all of those things. 
um, being yeah. close to me is important to me. So I think there's a lot of factors to consider. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are you looking for a school district? Um, you know, that may not be the city for you, depending on, you know, who you are, um, or it could be, you know, so I think there's a lot of factors to consider, you know, where do you want to walk? Do you not want to walk? We're walking city, we walk, you know, people are willing to walk 20 minutes or more to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. That is kind of an unheard of in other towns, like, I'll drive 20 minutes to the grocery store, but I wouldn't walk 20 minutes to be in the, you know, hubbub of everything. So definitely, there's a lot of factors, but I think I think how far you do you want to be from the high intensity, the arts, all of those things. Well, it's cool. I mean, I am. Um, so I'll I'll take as long as I need to take to walk to Italy, which you guys have. <laughs> That's <there>. right. Which <laughs> is the ten minute walk from my house. Okay. Well, perfect. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I for for anyone who's listening who doesn't know that place is just out of control. It's got all things Italian, which I love, and just delicious food and gelato. So you can walk there and just enjoy. <laughs> but see, but that's what's important to me, and it may not be important to someone else. So I think uh, it, it's very wise of you to um, to tell people, you know, that to, to suggest that renting is very important. And, and I agree, I think, especially in, in a place that large, when you get a city that is so diverse and spread out and has so many different options that you just mentioned uh, I can't imagine just going ahead and biting the bullet and buying something that's also very expensive (laughs) so yeah it's good to test the waters and see where where you like to be and so is okay so now I'm going to go back to my question is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to cover and let everybody know I think what a lot of people don't know about our market, as compared to when I sold in Michigan, where during the depression of 2008, the financial crisis, prices were down about 70% there, which was really incredible. And in one of, you know, arguably Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is one of the nicest towns, college town, very similar to, you know, what you have, you know, with yeah. uh, University of Florida and a lot of the economy there was around the university, although Pfizer was there, but they closed. There were a lot of things that kind of happened all at once that really tanked the town and the state itself, you know, is not doing great and hasn't been for a long time. So when I moved back to Boston, I was just fully prepared for just what I'd already been through in Michigan, which was a declining market, in some instances, 10%, you know, month over month. I mean, like, it was just falling so fast that you just you blinked your eyes. And it's like, you know, you sold something and it was worth 25% less six months later. Um, It was really incredible. And that was tough to watch. And so when I came to Boston, I was surprised by how even and calm the market was and yes there's fluctuations in different neighborhoods or some luxury buildings will go up that will be four thousand dollars a foot you know we've never seen those prices before and everyone's up in arms how can they charge that including the brokers by the way Mm -hmm. you know and people paid it but overall the market here is very 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 stable and there was almost no downturn in most of the neighborhoods the core city boston neighborhoods during the recession in fact, they only went up in value during the recession and wow. have continued to just steadily climb. So that's the story. We're sticking to it. The data <laughs> supports it. And it's very similar 
to the data that we're seeing now that's coming out post pandemic. Mm-hmm. As far as the number of sales that we've seen, you know, we're down 387 sales over the course of, you know, 2019 to 2020 in total, wow. um, which was pretty low considering mm-hmm. the number of condos that was 2,500 sales. So we were down 12%. The median sale price was only down 4%. Um, but in some neighborhoods, it was up. So we feel we're pretty insulated in that way because of the job demand and the high earning people that are here and that want to be here. And so they'll come here and they'll pay these high prices to live because they make a lot of money in most instances and they see the value in their investment Mm -hmm. and understand what they're buying is a piece of their portfolio. And it's going to hold its worth. And in fact, it's probably going to make them a lot of money, probably more money than the stock market in most instances. Yeah. Um, and so that's what that's what, what we're seeing. And, and that's where we've been. And that's the last 20 years in Boston. And we just don't really anticipate that changing. That's fantastic. I didn't know yeah. that. So I'm glad you shared that because... Um... You always, I mean, I had always heard that things, you know, had gone very, very badly in in pretty much everywhere. And so to know that that's not what happened there, at least not in every neighborhood, and and actually you did actually really well, that does say a lot about the area and and the um, just how strong the city is, you know, how strong the economy is. That's right. Yep, absolutely. And and I can use my own home as an example that I bought before I was a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. I paid. 200, I don't mind sharing with the listeners, I paid $286,000 for it in the winter of 2004. Mm -hmm. And I rented it out for a lot of years when I was living in Michigan, four years, and then I moved back and I I moved back into it. And it was not worth any more money than I paid for it until 2013. But it was worth what I paid for it. Okay. And then now it's worth, I've just refinanced and they uh, my appraisal for my cash out which they're usually a little bit for the listeners they're usually a little bit harder on these cash out refinances the bank doesn't want to take too much money it appraised for 650 in 15 years wow yeah wow so that gives you and that's not even in the best neighborhood it's uh, some people would say it was a subpar neighborhood but that's what i could afford as a flight attendant so that's what i bought and i still own it and i have it as a rental but it's just interesting to see it was, yes, it was flat. It was flat for a long time. Right. But then the trajectory went right up. And that's kind of what we expect is maybe a couple of flat years here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the trajectory we think will peak back up. Exactly. Well, I think that whenever somebody says to me about a personal home, well, is this a good investment? And that's always something that I have trouble answering that in saying yes or no, because, well, first of all, you just never know what the economy is going to do. But also a personal home is usually not an investment property. You're just kind of buying it for yourself. But if you intend, especially because a lot of people move in seven years or something like that, but if you're holding on to it and then also using it as a rental and all of that, like you did, that's proof that yes, it's a great investment because, <laughs> you know, were you to sell that now, you'd make a lot of money. So that's, I would, yeah. I would. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm not telling it. Right, <laughs> <laughs> for 16 years. 
Exactly. So, you know, right, there's no point. And, you know, with, with the prices going up and up and up in terms of rental prices, there's no need to, but, uh, but you could. Is, I could, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I may at some point for a more lucrative beach investment, which I can get into next time on my Airbnb business that I do. Oh, um, okay. yeah, that could be another, another, another stream yeah. of listeners. That could be another episode where I'd love to talk to you about Airbnb because I, I really, we haven't had anybody talk about Airbnb and investment properties, you know, for that purpose and everything and, and what that's like. So um, happy to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've, I've sold 15 in the last two years to all of my friends. I also have one in Savannah, Georgia, where I went to school. And um, so I've been doing it for four years now and everyone saw me making so much money on my, my friends mm -hmm. and were like, you're printing money. I'm like, I know, get in. So, um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. I'd be happy to chat next time if, the, if, if you deem it appropriate. And, and this was, you know, a good call. I, it was great. Yes, absolutely. I, the only reason I'm not going to keep going is just because we try to just limit, uh, the length of the, of the episodes. Uh, but I think that everybody's really interested in things like Airbnbs and I would love to have you and maybe a couple of other people who've done it, uh, just kind of get an idea of, of what it's like, uh, to, to invest in Airbnbs and manage them, you know, accordingly and, and make absolutely. lots of money. So who doesn't want that? I could probably have some clients join too oh, that I good. sold to. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I have a few. I mean, some I manage, some I teach them how to manage them themselves, you know, and then they keep more of the money. So I have a few that would probably be more than happy to get on a call. Very cool. Well, I would absolutely love that. And I really appreciate your taking time to share your insights, your your wisdom that you've, you know, gained throughout the years in your in the business. And, uh, and give us some very valuable information about Boston, which, you know, I had no idea about. And maybe a lot of our listeners don't either. So thank you, Jackie. Jackie O. I love it. My pleasure. I'm Anna O, but it doesn't sound as cool as Jackie O. <laughs> <laughs> I thank my mom and dad for that one. <laughs> yeah, you really should. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Stay warm up in Boston. And, yes, uh, you too on your visit. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will not be here when you come to town. I'll be in Mexico. So. Oh um, wow. Okay. Well, you're. I won't be able to meet you even for a cocktail because I won't be here. I leave Friday morning. So. All right. Well, you, well, you have fun on your tropical vacation, and I'll have fun on my winter vacation. And one day we shall meet. Perfect. Sounds great. <laughs> All right, great. Jackie. It was great to meet you. Okay. Likewise. Take care. Take care. Have a great one. And thank you everybody for listening. And stay tuned for Jackie's next appearance <laughs> because we're definitely going to have her on to talk about Airbnbs and investments and all those cool things that are going to make you lots and lots of money in real estate. All right. So here's the next one. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about real estate and hear the occasional funny story, then hit that subscribe button right now. And if you know of someone who'd benefit from listening, then tell them to subscribe too, or else they may feel a little left out. For questions, topic suggestions, or nice comments, send an email to Anna at SegwayRE.com. We can also connect on Facebook at SegwayRE. Thanks for listening as we bring you a new way of doing real estate. Bye! <laughs>